Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's riveting conversation. Oh, we have been moving through three significant questions that help us understand how we show up for life. We've borrowed the definition of personality from Ian Cron, author of The Road Back to You and host of the great podcast Typology. In his defining of personality, he says personality is basically just how you show up for life. And I just love it. It's simple, it's direct, and it's so accurate. So when I walk into the room, my presence depicts my personality. How do I show up in that room, in that space? How do I show up in my family? How do I show up at work? How do I show up at school? How do I show up at church? And I think it has just really got me to look even deeper into my soul and my core motivations on how I have learned to live this life and how I actually was created by God to live this life. Two very different topics. And we've been addressing that since the beginning of this podcast. We are the Speak Healing Words community, and we are committed to strengthening, stabilizing, and uh, living out, practicing the threefold cord of, of emotional. And I am now shifting that to emotional and relational health. That healthy sense of self, Who am I? Whose am I? Who am I in my core? And we use tools like the Enneagram and the Heartlift Method that I outline in my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, and my newest uh, healing modality, Aroma Freedom Technique Therapy. It is a game changer. And we utilize these emotional health, psychological tools, neuroscience to really develop a strong, healthy idea of who we are and how we show up for life and how we are to be true to our God-breathed identity, capacity, and potential. We also look at our healthy behavior patterns. Behavior patterns are really a part of why I think like I think and why I feel like I feel and why I act like I act. And so today we look at that second significant question, why do I feel the way I feel? Well, so many of us avoid feeling. <laughs> Depending on our the base of our attachment level, attachment's a theory in psychological study and human development and We hopefully have secure attachment where I've talked a lot about that on previous episodes where we can move through life knowing that we are safe and secure and stable and always have a home to go to if we need it. We know where we belong. We have a sense of belonging. And um, I definitely had to practice and move into understanding secure attachment because I did not get that as a young child. 
And we, we want to use these tools to really understand why we feel the way we feel. I'm going to ask you a question. I want to start today's podcast with a question. Have you ever felt emotionally hijacked? Emotionally hijacked. I'll explain it to you a little bit more. Let me give you the definition first. Emotional hijacking, in a, according to its definition, is often referred to as amygdala hijacking, since that is essentially what is happening inside of your brain during a time of crisis. So amygdala hijacking was first coined by the brilliant Daniel Goleman in his landmark book, Emotional Intelligence. The amygdala is that emotional part of our brain. It's like almond-shaped, very small, and it regulates our flight, fright, and freeze response. In flight or fight, our brain senses imminent danger and blasts adrenaline into our body so we can cope with the perceived danger at hand, like a roaring lion, a great white shark, a hot stove. Uh, we God put this beautiful almond-shaped uh, organ in our brain because we need it to survive. But we're going to be thinking about this survival, fight, flight, or freeze in the emotional and mental sense today. And during emotional hijacking, the stressors that we react to, which are typically called triggers, disable the higher cortex of our brain and prevent us from making sound, rational decisions in our prefrontal cortex. So when we suffer with being emotionally hijacked, we may become extremely reactive, defensive, and lash out at the stressor. And if that stressor is another person, things can turn negative quickly. Preventing emotional hijacking from occurring in the first place is what we're all about today. And it's paramount to being successful in, in any of our systems, our family systems, our work systems, our church systems, our athletic systems, our school. Emotional intelligence is absolutely, Daniel Goleman absolutely proved that it is what makes us extremely successful and helps us have meaningful lives. Emotional intelligence, being in tune, understanding, definitely knowing our emotional selves. We have emotions. I've defined this over and over again on our podcast that emotions are information. They're data. They drive us because they inform us. We are not ruled by them, although most of us are. But as we move forward in our beautiful heartlifting healing process and become emotionally mature, then we learn to live from a responsive state instead of living in a reactive state. And one of the things that puts us into a reactive state typically are called triggers. And triggers are something that sets off a memory tape or a flashback that transports us to the person or transports us back to the event of our 
trauma, little t trauma, medium t trauma, or capital letter T trauma. Triggers are very personal. Different things trigger different people. The survivor of the trauma may do whatever they can to avoid situations and stimulus, stimuli that just that person might believe is going to trigger an emotional, really emotion, negatively emotional response. All this takes place, as we've talked about, uh, the principal player in our emotional intelligence is the amygdala. As I said, the amygdala stores the visual image as sensory fragments, not so much as a story, but most particularly how our senses, our five senses, react inside of that memory. Very key, very key, as I have found out through studying and becoming a practitioner in aroma freedom therapy, which uses scent and the power of scent and so so many beautiful uh, studies academic studies medical studies are being are just emerging on the power of scent to heal PTSD the power of scent to um, play a significant role in what we call memory reconsolidation boy I know I'm throwing a lot out there today uh, clinically but um, we'll we'll bring it on down so we can all apply it to our daily lives so that we can be highly emotionally intelligent and give to this world our very, very best God-breathed selves. Another principal player with uh, our emotional intelligence is the hippocampus. So we have the amygdala, the hippocampus. They're both part of the larger system called the limbic system. And the hippocampus is responsible for processing the long-term memory. And it's responsible for emotional responses. All of this being part of the bigger picture in answering our question today, why do I think, nope, that was last week, why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I feel the way I feel? What are these feelings and why do I feel them and why do I react the way I react instead of respond? Remember, Viktor Frankl said wisely, between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in Overcoming Hurtful Words, my book, I call that a sacred space where we have the millisecond to practice our emotional responses, to practice emotional learning. What have we learned? Oh, so good and so much. So in this beautiful article that I'm reading from by, um, oh, it's on Success Insights. It's Reduce Emotional Hijacking with Emotional Intelligence. Um, the author writes, there are two critical things you can do to avoid an emotional hijack. And we just said the first. The first is to increase your emotional intelligence. Google Start with Dr. Google. What is emotional intelligence and how can I make mine better? I'll put some articles up on our Facebook page and on our blog this week so that you can have access to that. Two of the greatest books that have helped me are Daniel Goleman's book, Emotional Intelligence, and Dr. Susan David's book, who I talked about last week and read from, was Emotional Agility. 
And so today I'm going to add the work of Dr. Benjamin Perkis, who is the founder and the curator and the clinical psychologist who curated the aroma freedom technique, which I have just gotten certified in and, and have been using it and seeing such profound work with uh, my clients and myself and my family members and those in my life uh, when they apply this practice of aroma freedom therapy, they are truly um, putting to rest memories that have had negative charges connected to them. So I just want to break it down just for a second. So we all have an emotional learning uh, foundation. And when we are born into our family of origins, we are born, as I have spoken before so much of, uh, into an emotional atmosphere where we absorb the emotional intelligence or the emotional um, ignorance, actually, I guess we could call it, of our caregivers. I grew up in an alcoholic home. My husband grew up in an alcoholic home. So, you know, we come with a lot of emotional um, ignorance. I did not learn. Um, I was never taught how to understand what I was feeling. And so it was very important to me to help my children and rear my children with some form of emotional intelligence, but it wasn't even something that was spoken of. I didn't have Google, no one, Daniel Goleman hadn't written his book, uh, you know, but I just knew I wanted them to be healthy and I wanted them to know that they could tell me anything and I still want that. And so I tried to help them to increase and grow and understand emotions, um, McPletchick says we have, I think it's Pletchick's Wheel of Emotions, over 34,000 emotions total. We have eight base, you know, differing experts say different things. Bottom line is just we have a lot of emotions, but we're not really taught well and we are not given skills and tools as children. Even today, I don't see it happening specifically uh, in the realm of faith and in the realm of church and the realm of teaching uh, within the uh, the faith. Um, emotions are often poo-pooed, you know, they're just, don't be emotional. Whew, don't feel, right? Feelings, feelings are fickle, but they we have them because we are human beings. So we do a great disservice to our children and to um, our, all the next generation falling behind us if we don't equip them with an emotional intelligence and an emotional capacity to have a language in which they can understand and their emotions and their feelings and talk about them and process them properly. The second thing that is spoken of on how to avoid these emotional hijacks when we are reactive, when we are taken off guard, when in that millisecond between the stimulus and the response, we freak out or we shut down or we repress or we put our hand through the wall because we're so angry. Um, the second is to identify and proactively address your triggers. So that's where I come in today with... Um, the beautiful wisdom of Dr. Benjamin Perkis. And um, once we are aware of our emotional 
quotient, right? Our emotional intelligence. Once we're aware of those things in our life that trigger us, Dr. Perkis taught me that every every memory, every memory that we have has a charge, an emotional charge. It has a emotionally charged feeling attached to it. I'm going to try to be as simple as I can today. I know we're on audio, so I will be making a video because I think it um, is something that you can process perhaps better in a video situation. But every memory that we have has an emotional charge and a feeling attached to it. And now that feeling can be either positive or negative. Negative being traumatic. Negative being high heightened emotion. Now, if it has a positive charge, eh, your brain's going to go, oh, that's so nice. That's lovely. Isn't that great? And that memory is just going to hop on over to the hippocampus and it's going to be stored in that long-term memory, put right in the little uh, storage cabinet in the brain and just, it's going to go to rest. It's going to be at rest. It's just going to give you good warm fuzzies every time you smell chocolate chip cookies that your mom made after school because that's such a great memory. Or as my 91-year-old mother, every time I talk to her, every time I talk to her, she says, oh, if I could just have a bowl of my mother's homemade soup. Oh, those noodles. I can just taste the carrots. I love it. You know, at first it was driving me crazy. And then I I just realized that is such a warm memory for her. That reminds her of the happiest, the happiest of times in her life. And at 91, she can have that memory. And she can talk to me about it every day. If I had the recipe, I'd make the dang soup, but I don't. So every memory that has a positive charge just goes to rest in our hippocampus. But when a memory has a negative charge, a negative feeling charged to it, it sticks and stays inside of the amygdala, that almond-shaped little place in our brain that actually is where the fight, flight, or freeze component is stored. So it it goes in there and it just stays at a heightened, heightened sense. And every time we see, smell, taste, or hear, or anytime we're triggered, that memory activates. And adrenaline goes through our body, and we either get fearful, we get scared, we panic, and we just stay there. And that's probably the reason we have so many with anxiety problems. In the book Triggers, Marshall Goldsmith writes this, it's hard to initiate behavioral change, even harder to stay the course. Hardest of all is to make the change stick. I'd go so far as to say that adult behavioral change is the most difficult thing for sentient human beings to accomplish. If you think I'm overstating the difficulty, answer these questions. So I'm have a questions underneath our bigger question, why do I feel the way I feel? What do you want to change in your life? How long has this been going on? How's that working out? These three questions conform to the three problems we face in introducing change into our lives. 
We can't admit that we need to change, either because we're unaware that the change is desirable or more likely we're aware but have reasoned our way into elaborate excuses that deny our need for change. We do not appreciate inertia's power over us. (laughs) Given the choice, we'd prefer to do nothing, which is why I suspect our answers to how long has this been going on are couched in terms of years rather than days. Inertia is the reason we never start the process of change. It takes extraordinary effort to stop doing something in our comfort zone because it's painless or familiar or mildly pleasurable. In order to start something difficult that will be good for us in the long run. Whew. And his third response to those three questions is, we don't know how to execute a change. There's a difference between motivation and understanding and ability. For example, we may be motivated to lose weight, but we lack the nutritional understanding and cooking ability to design and stick with an effective diet or flip it over. We have an understanding and ability, but we lack the motivation. So that is exactly where I come in as a therapist, as a Aroma Freedom Technique Certified Practitioner, I come to you with tools that actually can affect and affect the change you need. We often need a guide. I want to be your guide. So today I just want to share with you something called the Aroma Reset Technique developed by Dr. Benjamin Perkis, the man who has uh, developed this technique and that I have studied under and had the privilege of having so many beautiful conversations with. Um, he, He states that smell connects directly to the emotional brain. The olfactory nerve, as we said before, that power of scent connects directly to the limbic system in the brain. The limbic system being our hippocampus, our our amygdala, that whole prefrontal area as well. This is where we process emotion and we determine whether we're safe or in danger and we form bonds and attachments to those around us. Oh my goodness, it's so powerful. We get stuck when we encounter a situation, a trigger that feels overwhelming, confusing, or threatening. And then we get locked up. I call it the shutdown. And we lose our ability to know what's best for us or think clearly or make good decisions. We're in reactory mode, not response mode. We are in that millisecond between the stimulus and response and we don't know what to do. So aroma reset, the aroma freedom reset is a simple process to quickly release the negative thoughts and feelings you have about a situation. By focusing on how it is affecting you and smelling specific essential oils, You reset your brain to return to feelings of peace and wholeness, allowing you to gain clarity on your next step. And I am telling you, I have done years and years of counseling, of going to counseling, of applying every technique that I could possibly apply. And at 59 years old, I'm saying it again, this technique is a game changer. So I'm going to walk you through these simple steps and they take about 60 seconds to two minutes and I will put this up on the blog tomorrow and I I obviously cannot offer you the therapeutic grade essential oil to smell over the podcast, but I will list them for you tomorrow and how you can get them so that you can begin applying 
this beautiful technique to your life. And I will, I will make a video as well so that you can see me helping you walk through these steps. So first you identify the situation. You think of a current situation that feels overwhelming, frustrating, confusing. Once you can clearly picture that situation, you have that memory in your mind, go to the next step. So we name the feeling is the second step. Find one word, one feeling word, yes, that describes how you feel when you picture the situation. Now, maybe you're like me at one point in my life and many of my clients and many who I work with who they don't feel and they don't have any understanding of what it what a feeling really is and how to name a feeling. So I'll put up a feeling chart for you as well. I've got a lot to put up for you tomorrow. But some examples of a one-word feeling are sad, hopeless, lonely, fearful. Once you've named the feeling, you locate this feeling in your body. Oh, this memory reconsolidation process here is so valuable because you actually need to apply what we call in in psychological practice, embodiment. It makes you come in touch with your body. And many of us have disembodied due to our coping mechanisms, our defenses, because we've had traumatic experiences that are just, we don't want to be in our body. It's too hard. So you locate this feeling, your head, your heart, your belly. It could be a bodily posture as feeling slumped over. I've had several clients say that. Or teeth clenched. Uh, You may feel like someone has their foot on your chest or you're going to vomit. I've even had that said. The fourth step is to identify the negative thought. What is the negative thought connected to that one word feeling in your body? So I don't have enough time. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. And then step five, which you can't do here on the podcast, but you smell the essential oil. It's a memory release blend of Young Living's therapeutic grade essential oil. Highly critical. This approach is only uses Young Living's therapeutic grade oils developed specifically formulated by its founder, Dr. Gary Young, in working with Dr. Benjamin Perkis, scientifically shown to have that scent Effect, affect, affect, on your neural pathway inside of your your hip, your brain, the limbic system. So you will have a one third. You you mix three of the Young Living oils: lavender, frankincense, and the blend Stress Away. You uh, you mix a third of each of those, um, or one drop of each of those, into your palms, and you rub it together. Inhale deeply while focusing on the memory, the feeling the bodily sensation, and the negative thought. And you notice what happens to the picture of the situation and to how you feel in your body and in your mind. And step six, you decide what's next. Now, something either something has shifted. There's two things that can happen after you breathe the oils into that memory, into that one word feeling in your body, into that negative thought. You get on with your day in a more relaxed, calm, or clear mood, or you may have had a heightened, intense response and need to move into the actual 12-step aroma freedom technique. And we will definitely talk about that so much more later. So hopefully I've given you a, a very strong emotional health tool, the aroma freedom reset 
takes 60 seconds to two minutes to do this. I will on the blog tomorrow be sure to give you the link where you can order the oils if you do not have them. It is very important to use the Young Living Therapeutic Grade oils. They are pure. They are processed without any fragrances, anything that will interfere with the clearing of that neural pathway. So very, very important. Highly, highly important. Can't stress it enough. So that's it for today. Just remember, emotions, your feelings, feelings are defined as an emotional state. And emotions are just directives. They are information. They guide us. They don't own us. They don't rule us. We are not ruled by our emotions. We rule our emotional state. So as we grow and develop in this practice of how to do that, how to respond in life with a higher sense of emotional intelligence, we will actually mature and actually then experience life from a responsive nature and life will be so much better. Oh, it's been great to be with you today. I'm so passionate. I know you can see. If you want more information, please go to my website, JanelleRairden.com. Contact me. I am here for you. Have a blessed day and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleRiordan.com.